I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Well, the Steelers were not the only team that opened up their mandatory minicamp this past week. There were 12 other NFL teams that did the same. And I don't know if you've read uh, Jeffrey Chadia's work at NFL.com, but if you haven't and you're not on to him, follow him on Twitter, follow his work at NFL.com. One of the best writers when it comes to covering this league. You see him on NFL Network all the time as well. So uh, he wrote a piece about the 12 teams that opened up their mandatory minicamp and the player that was the most intriguing on each of these teams. Now, some teams have two players on them, so there's 14 players total here. But we're going to rip through this list and we're going to look at some of you know these teams, look at the players that have the biggest spotlight really around them, most intriguing player for each of these teams as they wrap up their mandatory minicamp and get an eye towards the training camp portion of the offseason. But there's two quarterback battles that he's got on this list, and let's start there. Let's start with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay, He talks about Kenny Pickett. He talks about Mitchell Trubisky, and, you know, it's just that seems like it's going to be the um, pecking order, the way I just listed it, Trubisky and then Pickett, and we talked about that on our last episode. Uh, Chidia thinks that, you know, best case scenario is Trubisky is consistent enough to be the effective starter, while Pickett can learn without being thrown into the fire too soon, but as he puts in his article, that sounds good in theory, as it usually mm-hmm. always does. We'll see how that actually plays out, but, you know, just to, you know, drive home to people that it's not just a story here in Pittsburgh, because I think as far as quarterback battles go, this is the biggest, most sexiest one around the entire NFL. and Far more so than the other one he has on this list. That's very true. And I think that the winner of this battle can make an impact far more than the other winner of the battle he has on this list. But it's a national topic. People are really interested on how the Steelers are going to move on from franchise Hall of Fame stalwart Ben Roethlisberger. How are they going to replace that guy in their offense? And, yeah, I I can't argue that there's so many intriguing storylines when it comes to Steelers camp, but the king of them all has to be the storyline of who will win the battle, who will replace Ben Roethlisberger as the Steelers get ushered into this new era, this new chapter in their franchise history. 
Tom, I, I don't know a single person in the national media who isn't intrigued by this storyline. This is a team who prides itself on consistency, on setting a standard, and here they are, kind of in a limbo of which they've kind of laughed at so many other teams for the past 18 years of having to deal with, and now they are in the same boat. They are in the same situation for the first time in 18 years. I think everyone who pays attention to football knows just how big of a deal it is for a franchise like the Steelers to be in a place where they don't know who their quarterback of the future is moving forward. And Jeffrey says, you know, the 27-year-old is the safe choice here, and I agree with him there. That is the safer choice, and I don't want to say that you have to deal with Pickett with kid gloves. 24-year-old, played in college for six years, a starter for five of them. I don't think you have to really bring him along super slowly. He's pretty NFL-ready. That was the book on him in this draft process, was that he was the most NFL-ready of any of the quarterback prospects that were coming out of this class, Mm -hmm. by a pretty decent margin, too, I'd say. Uh, people deemed him as the most NFL-ready quarterback. So, obviously, there's not like a a real need to have the training wheels on the bike for a long time, like maybe you would have if you drafted Malik Willis with your pick. But I, I do just think that you might want to go with what's safe. You don't want to throw this kid into the fire way too early, have him be ruined, and no chance of him reclaiming you know, his former potential when he exited Pitt and was drafted in the first round, the only quarterback to go in this year's first round. So... I agree, Just, and we said it in an earlier episode, you stick with Trubisky, you start with Trubisky, and you kind of just let the season unravel any way it will from there. Mm-hmm. But it's no real need, in my mind at least, to throw Pickett to the Wolves right out of the gate ASAP, you're number one. No, there's absolutely no need to do so. However, there are going to be people out there who say, why, why go out there and spend a first-round pick on a 24-year-old just to kind of keep him in the weights. You're just wasting your time, essentially. You're devaluing that pick the longer you keep him on the bench. And you can see it from both sides, right? You can understand that throwing a rookie into the NFL week one is not always the best decision. No. There are several people who, there are several quarterbacks who are now rookie or who were rookies last year or rookies very recently that struggled just because maybe they really weren't as NFL ready as some people would have predicted. Trevor Lawrence is the is the number one guy who comes to mind, right? Trevor Lawrence was the high highest touted quarterback coming out of high school and then coming out of college consistently in recent memory, right? I think Trevor Lawrence might be the only quarterback in NFL history to be the number one high school product and then the number one overall pick in an NFL draft. And it's funny that number two, right, Zach Wilson. Well, no, no, no. it was supposed to be Fields. He oh, was right, on that right, track right, to be right. number two in high school and then the number two pick, and then they ruined it because of the Jets and they picked Zach Wilson. Well, it's the Jets, and you can't be surprised. <laughs> but also look at Justin Fields in the and in, in his short tenure with the Bears. I mean. People were saying how dumb the Bears were for not throwing him out there to start, but, I mean, he had flashes, but he, when you're a rookie, you can't really have flashes. You, you, If you're going to be thrown out there as a starter, you can't just have flashes. I will say this, though. It was dumber for them because you knew what Andy Dalton was. Like, right. There is potential with Mitch. Like there is, you're not mm-hmm. just basically, you know, wasting away and having Andy Dalton get Mitch, killed. Mitch was only the number two overall pick a handful of years ago. Andy Dalton was a, what, a second-round pick over 10 years ago. Yeah, and had his moments of glory already. Mm -hmm. They were past him. They were in the rear. Way past. Yeah, like he, 
his chance to get over that hump and win playoff games, that is long gone in the rearview mirror. So uh, forget about um, that kind of scenario as far as saying like, oh, well, look at the Bears. They wasted fields. Mm-hmm. They didn't let fields get in right away. I don't think that applies here. Moving on to the other position battle at the quarterback spot, the Seattle Seahawks. Now, Jeffrey does start out his little blurb about this saying, you know, the low-hanging fruit for the most intriguing player here is probably DK Metcalf, especially since he didn't show up to minicamp this week. But as he writes, and I agree with, he thinks it's just a smart business move from a guy who's still looking for a Mm long-term contract. No bad blood really between Seattle and him. It's just, hey, I'm looking around this league. All these receivers are getting paid. Unlike Deontay Johnson, I am in that class of receiver that should be getting play- paid. Uh, I'm going to sit this one out, guys, and wait until I get my money right before I show up to these mini camps. Do you blame him? No, no, no. And that's why I think Jeffrey's right. right when he says there's no bad blood. It's just a smart business move. No. His end. So that's, I mean, you're starting to see more players make the right move. Not so much the selfish move, but the actual smarter, long term move to protect their careers, right? Yes. Agreed. Nice. Do you want? Were you? No, I no, felt no, like no. you were going to keep rolling there. No, and... I, I just wanted to make that point. But it's again, this is a franchise, Tom, that has had the benefit of of not having to worry about the quarterback position for I don't know if it's been a decade, but it's been probably at least eight years at the minimum that Russell Wilson was there, and now here they are yeah. with two guys. It's kind of, you know, as we started off this segment talking about how sexy of a topic it is to follow the Steelers in their quarterback battle. I think it's the complete opposite here in Seattle, though. I think it is, too. This, these, guys, I don't see, are two, these are two guys who I could not want less I don't think any, to start my team. I don't think either of them are going to be franchise solutions, either. I think no. this is kind of just a battle to see what's going to be the placeholder. They are a team that I've always kind of thought low-key could be in the Baker Mayfield sweepstakes, too. And probably are just waiting on the Browns to finally, to finally move on from him. him. Yeah. Although, with all the trouble that's around Deshaun Watson, that dude's probably not going to play a single game this but season. But I don't I don't envision Baker agreeing to play as one more game with for them. the Browns. Yeah, but I would definitely see him agreeing going to Seattle. Are you kidding sure, me? Sure, but, what, but what that, a, that's a kind of the weird... landing spot for a quarterback, right? That, Seattle. Oh, yeah. That's kind of the weird purgatory that Baker Mayfield is in is because he doesn't want to play for the Browns, but the Browns would be stupid to let him go just because they need a quarterback to back up for Deshaun Watson. And I don't know if they... I I personally would not love it if it, Jacoby Brissett would be the guy that we had to put out there week one. I personally would not love it either. But they're going to keep... I have a feeling they're going to keep Baker, and he's just going to say, no, I'm, why would I play for you? And I agree with him. I don't know if I would play for him either. But, you know, back to this Drew Locke, Geno Smith battle, uh, I think what's even more intriguing about it and what's really uh, a shadow looming large over both of these guys is just the simple fact that they're replacing the best player in the franchise's, franchise's history. Yeah. This is like trying to replace Mean Joe Green if you're the Steelers. What What... The Russell Wilson trade emphasized to me is his time in Seattle was obviously done, but Seattle wasn't going to say, okay, we had our fun with Russ. Let's try to rebuild. Let's, let's, let's have this long period of rebuild. That doesn't, that's not what it said to me. How many, how many draft picks did they get in return for that trade, Tom? The Seahawks? The Seahawks. Uh, it's got a, they at least got a first-rounder. At least, I, I think they got a lot more. A it was, more it was apparently the the biggest trade in NFL history, like the biggest like exchange 
in NFL history for maybe just one player? I remember that being. I think like you're right. I think you're right. I'm trying to look. It, I'm trying to look it up right now. I believe it was like seven picks or something like that. Um, I'm trying to see here as well. I I can't seem to find. Okay, here we go. Two first round picks, and two second round picks, a fifth round pick, and then Drew Locke, Shelby Harris, and Noah Fant. Noah Fant's not bad. No, it's not, it's not bad. A bad haul. But okay, so with all those picks, multiple first round, multiple second three rounds, three NFL ready players, three NFL ready players. And then you look at their draft, right? They go out and they add another weapon on offense. Kenneth Walker Jr. really could be good. I mean, he had a stellar year in Michigan State. But they draft two offensive linemen in the in the first three rounds. Charles Cross out of Mississippi State and Abraham Lucas out of Washington State. It seems that they're not just going to say, okay, we, we're done with Russ here. Let's figure out what the next best thing can be for us down the line. I think they're ready to win starting next year. I think there's a reason that they didn't go out and say, oh, just because we got rid of Russ, let's go out and draft Kenny Pickett or draft Malik Willis. I think next year, Tom, they're going to be looking to one of those guys in the first round for a quarterback to say, hey, look what we have for you here. We have a a solid offensive line. We have a defense that could be good, maybe not as great as it once was, but could be good. And we have the best offensive weapons for you possibly in the NFL. As you said, an, uh, an NFL-ready starting tight end, Noah Fant, they just acquired. They already had Rashad Penny. They went out and they drafted Kenneth Walker the third, And they have arguably the best one-two punch in the NFL at receiver with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Who, what, what rookie quarterback wouldn't want to come out there? But then also... The Seahawks have the benefit of having a guy like Drew Locke, maybe not the best, but certainly someone you can throw out as kind of a a guinea pig to that 2023 season and say, hey, we want to keep our guy kind of in the weights. Let him develop because he will be young because a lot of these guys coming out of school next year are going to be younger, significantly younger than Kenny Pickett was this year. Let's let Drew Locke kind of take the punches as the season unfolds. And once our guy is ready, let him have at it with all of these offensive weapons. I don't see the Seattle Seahawks being a team to just kind of go from one of the best in the NFL to the worst and, and stay down there. I see them maybe having this one down year without Russ and then swinging right back up with the next kid to come in and play quarterback. Yeah, and I think they will end up probably with either one of these quarterbacks starting in the top and I, 10. And I think it's obvious, too. Or to they'll the trade into the top 10 because they got a lot of capital now exactly. to do that. I think it's obvious, too, that... Uh, this is the move. So I'm a little su- surprised by this article to kind of say... Well, I just think because there's no real intrigue outside of that, you know, especially when you don't think there's bad blood between DK and the team. Like, that would be the only other thing. Like, defense is young, rebuilding that. Offensive line is young. You've got a rookie running back now that you're breaking in. Like, there's real nothing of intrigue with the Seahawks this year. Their intrigue is, please finish in the top, or the bottom five, right. so we can get a Bryce Young, potentially. Honestly, it might be beneficial to both the team and DK to say, hey, why don't we just, like, not... For- Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Force you to go out there, you know. You'll play a couple snacks the whole game, but other than that, we really don't need you that much. Well, staying in that division and staying at the wide receiver position, I think probably the most intriguing guy in in this article by Jeffrey Chidia, not just you know 
for the Niners, but for the NFL, the NFL fans as a whole. Where is, is he going to play? Debo Samuel. You know, he said he wanted to be traded. He showed up for team's mandatory minicamp. So that's obviously a, a good sign. But as Jeffrey points out, that obviously also doesn't mean that Samuel is pretty good with the organization right now. It's um, only an indication that he likely can't afford to stomach the fines that would have come mm-hmm. if he chose not to show up to mandatory minicamp. So... Just because he's there now doesn't mean that you read into it and everything's good and, hey, I'm I'm back with the San Francisco 49ers and it's all hunky-dory. But we know what the problem is with this guy, and it's a problem that I can really sympathize with. I'm a running back and a wide receiver, so Mm -hmm. pay me as a running back and And as a wide receiver. receiver. I don't want to be paid as either or. Wide receivers make more money now, but... I think I should be making more money than the highest-paid wide receiver because unlike the highest-paid wide receiver, I'm also lining up in the backfield and getting 10 carries a game. So you got to pay me for what I do. you got to pay me for what I'm worth, and I think he is worth, obviously, the money that he is demanding, maybe not highest-paid wide receiver in football money, but in that echelon, I think that he is so dynamic for that offense. But I just don't know if the Niners are really going to be committed to throwing that kind of money towards him when they really could now because of the Lance contract Mm -hmm. you know you have him for now another four years if you want as a rookie deal it's very cheap to sign him so I don't see why they wouldn't throw a lot of money at Debo Samuel to keep him in place especially when you're going to be bringing along a younger quarterback like Trey Lance always good to have such a versatile weapon like Debo Samuel there with you when you're doing that but Prediction time for me, I think he ends up playing in San Francisco this year and probably ends up getting a long-term contract from the Niners. I just don't see why the Niners wouldn't do that. Why wouldn't they? Yeah. I, I, they let go of Raheem Mostert, so I can understand that the guy has been riddled with injury. He's better than Raheem Mostert. But my point is, that I mean, you don't even need a Raheem Mostert. You, just to have a guy like Debo and paired with a guy like George Kittle... You know, we were talking about best NFL uh, triplets in the NFL, right? Uh, maybe that was last week. And I don't the remember. Trios, yeah. Trios, right. I don't remember where the Niners ranked, but the combination of Debo Samuel and um, George Kittle alone should elevate them to a top 10 at the very minimum. You'd think if they can, if Kittle can stay healthy, especially. I think, I mean, he did stay healthy for the most part. For the most part. And then he played hurt when he wasn't healthy. So, but that's just, that's just who he is. He's the, he's a physical guy who can play hurt. And that's even more credit to his game. But Debo Samuel adds such an X factor that it's, it's a market of one, you could argue. Yeah. Right. right? I mean, maybe Corderell Patterson, who played in Atlanta, but right now I'm pretty sure he's unsigned. He was a free agent. I think he's back in Atlanta. Oh, is he back back in Atlanta? Well, still, what Corderell Patterson does, Debo Samuel does eons better than what Patterson can do. So I do believe he is in a market of one, despite there being one other guy that that does that hybrid running back wide receiver. And I I just think it would be foolish of the Niners to say, well, let's just make ourselves a one-trick pony here and only have George Kittle as a legitimate, not just pass catcher, but offensive weapon to, to, to give to whether it's Jimmy G or Trey Lance. Another guy on this list that really has a lot of intrigue for me and a guy that you know I'm starting to get a little worried about, if Najee Harris was the poster for you can take a running back in the first round and it's a good pick, then the poster for you should not take a running back in the top five is probably Saquon, Saquon Barkley, Barkley right yeah. now because of not his play, 
but because of injuries. But one thing that Jeffrey points out here beyond the injuries that I think is very interesting, rookie season he ran for 1,307 yards. He had 11 touchdowns, one rookie of the year. Probably received some MVP sniffs too. I mean, it's a phenomenal season for a team in the Giants that was just okay. In 15 games over the last two seasons, because he's been hurt over the last two seasons for most of it, but 15 games is almost a full NFL schedule. You're missing about two games now. Mm-hmm. He only has 627 yards and two touchdowns in those 15 games. So you kind of ex- extrapolate when he is healthy out to that full season. And it's not even, It ain't that good. No. Now, you can blame the Giants because they're not a great team. No. and everybody and their mother can key on number 26 when you're trying to play defense against the Giants and know right. where they're going. doesn't matter how many wide yeah. receivers. I believe I pointed this out to you before. The Giants had the highest payroll for their wide receivers in 2021, but had the lowest amount of touchdown receptions by a wide receiver group of all 32 NFL teams. So talk about money wasted and easy to plan against. There, There is only one guy to, to plan against in New York, and that's Saquon Barkley. And it's been... Done effectively so mm-hmm. far uh, in those 15 games like you've seen. I, I want to see a fully healthy season, though, because obviously between those 15 games and that sample size there over two seasons, he was dealing with injuries, coming back from them, just inevitably got another one, tweaked something, who knows. But I would love to see a fully healthy season with Saquon. I think that, you know, it's going to be— I think NFL fans would, It's it's right? I don't, I'm not going to be happy with the whole takes that will come out of you can't pick a running back in the top five— if this happens to him, because that dude was the top five pick in that draft class, and his rookie year showed that if he were to stay healthy, he was going to be elite of elite of elite at the position, and a guy that the Giants really could build around, but I think there's two things. Obviously, the injuries have held that back, and also the Giants have just not been a really good team-building team, Mm. so they haven't done a great job of building around Saquon Barkley, but I think it's a huge, huge season for him coming up this year, and He's got to stay healthy, and I'll be frank, he's got to get over 1,000 yards rushing, especially now with 17 games in the season. Right. There really is no excuse for a receiver to do so or a running back to do so to not eclipse that 1,000 yards with the extra game. And I know people want to criticize TJ for saying, oh, he got the 22.5 because he had that 17th extra game. But let's not forget, like people get hurt, and so that's just an added, it's an added opportunity. I mean, he got there in less than 16 games played, but Saquon, and, and, and if any offensive player, you have an opportunity to sit out a game because now you have, or 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 be injured for a game, but you have that 17th game to to really be that that safety net to put you over that mark. And honestly, Tom, here we are. I believe this is his fourth year in the NFL, or maybe going on his fifth. 2018 was his rookie year, so 8 9 one This is going to be his fifth year in the NFL, Tom. If he can't get back to it by year five, and you're approaching 30... And you're going to need a new deal next year now because your rookie deal's done. Saquon's time in the NFL as an elite running back might be over. And it would be no fault of anybody's butt injury, which is the worst Which is the shame, right. Yeah, he, and, and that's why it's a ridiculous comment to say, oh, let's look to Najee Harris as the prime example of why you don't use a first-round pick on a running back. That's not, I mean... You mean Saquon, just, to look at Saquon and say... What did I say? Najee Harris. Yeah, sorry. he is the reason why. Oh, absolutely. Right but yeah, thank you for that correction. You can't, you can't say Saquon's a poster child for the reason not to do so because it's no one's fault it's not his fault it's not anyone in, it's not any individual's fault it's just yeah he pure, wasn't even injury prone in college so no. there was no like it is track pure bad this. luck bad luck Defense- i mean look at i mean you can look at look at christian mccaffrey right not a first round pick 
and still someone who excelled in his rookie year and has really struggled to get back to it Can't just because healthy, of un- yeah. but look when he was in um where did he play uh USC Stanford Stanford right thank you when he played at Stanford he wasn't injury prone when he was playing there no but different size people hitting you Absolutely, but that's the thing is that you can't predict who's no, going can't. to be an injury-prone guy once I get to the NFL. We probably have time for one more guy here. I want to flip it over to the defensive side of the ball, give them some shine. The Minnesota Vikings and their signing of their old rival, Green Bay Packers' Darius Smith this offseason. Now, Smith is obviously one of the best pass rushers in the NFL, if he's healthy. He only played in two games last year for the Packers, though. He played the season opener, and then he played in the division round loss to the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, but he had 26 total sacks in the first two years playing with the Green Bay Packers. Um, he'll be paired with Daniel Hunter, who I think is fringe top 10 as far as an edge guy, edge sure. guy is concerned in this league. So I think for a team that is so predicated on offense and identity is offense first, defense second— it was a good move to take a chance on a potential, you know, Pro Bowl caliber player in Zadarius Smith. With the, I, I know you're risking with, you know, he had a lot of injury problems last year, but I think the silver lining there, Vikings fans, if you're listening to me, would be he was able to come back and play in the playoff games. So it's not even like the question of, oh, will he be able to rehab himself back and play? Like, he you knows that's going to be mm-hmm. fine because he played in the last game of the season for the Packers. But just if he can reach the level of the Zadarius Smith that we knew before his back problem last year. That's that's obviously a big question mark, but I love the signing for the Vikings. I think their offense is one of the best in the NFL. If they can get a defense that's just, you know, average, I think they'll be a playoff team this year. They have the offense to do so, right? They've had they, the that, offense to be a playoff team for the past five years. And I think the defense really hasn't been that bad, but the addition of Zadarius no, Smith... And, and they won a playoff... What was it? it was two years ago they won a playoff game on the road in New Orleans. So, like, right. they've only been out of the dance for one year. So, like, they've been around, but I think the defense is the that reason why they were... might have three years ago. Was that, that that tight end who caught that? Yes. Yeah, that was three years ago. Either way, it's... So, they're not, they're not a team who was that super new, from it. right? Yeah. Super new to the playoff scene. I agree. I don't know how much, you know, that's the problem with the NFL. A defensive guy can only help you so much, right? Of course. It's really, it's just how the NFL goes now. It's super offense-reliant, super quarterback-reliant in terms of winning you games. I know a lot of people kind of say it's not fair to make the quarterback the only position in this in this league to kind of be credited with wins and losses. But to be honest, Tom, there's only one guy leading a whole side of either side of the football Right, and that's the quarterback on offense. So, I I like the addition of Zadarius Smith. However, I don't know how much of a boost it can really give the Vikings defense. Now, sometimes the right guy comes in and makes a change. You know, not to say that the Vikings defense is really that bad, but you've seen certain guys kind of come in and, and provide a cultural change or a cultural shift that really leads to something better. And Zadarius Smith could easily be that guy. All right, that'll do it for this episode of Steelers Standard. Thank you to Jeffrey Chadia for his fine work at NFL.com, letting us riff off of him for this episode. Give him a follow on Twitter, at Jeffrey Chadia. Give him a look and a read at NFL.com. It's really great stuff from him. When we come back, we're going to do final episode of the day. It's going to be power rankings time. We're going to look at edge rushers, so you get excited, Steelers Nations, because I bet you have an idea of who's going to be at the top of this list. He's Jacob Brecht. I'm Tom Opperman. As always, we appreciate you giving us a listen, and this has been the Steelers Standard. 
Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.